Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 5th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 67. We'll be starting with the last paragraph. Notice that the word fear will be reading through a second paragraph on page 68. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Comments will be on both. Today's readers are Leslie W., Rachel N. M., and Gina F. The share ID for Monday, June 4th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,496. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it is 11,497. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melissa C.K. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Melissa C.K., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for allowing me to do service. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C.K. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 Traditions. Hi, this is Laura A., compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. 12 Traditions. One, our 
common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Laura A. And I'd like to make a correction for the share ID for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. It is 11,498. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirements for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 67 with the last paragraph. Notice the word fear. We'll be reading through the first paragraph on page 68 when ending when it made us cocky, it was worse. Comments on all. I will now ask Leslie W. to begin reading. Thanks, Julie. This is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was the evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we thought we didn't deserve. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more troubles. 
We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment and connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other, and it made us cocky. It was worse. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> oh boy, fear. I think it's interesting that I'm reading this this morning because I'm definitely been struggling with fear lately in my life. And whenever I have fear, it it usually I I usually have to ask myself um, three questions. Those three questions are, do I believe God is a good God? Do I believe that my higher power is is there to help me? Number two, do I believe my higher power will take care of me? Do I believe God will take care of me? Is Is he going to look out for me or is he out to punish me or make me suffer or um, make me go through this life by myself all alone, you know? No. So that that's what I have to come back to. And then the third question that I ask myself is, can I accept my supporting role? Because if I believe what it says on, on page 53 in We Agnostics, when we became alcoholics, or in our case, compulsive overeaters, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or invade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Um, you know, and, and for me, that takes faith. It just it, it does. There is a space <clears throat> in between um, an occurrence happening. Um, or or a complication happening in my life, or circumstance beyond my control. There is a space in between that occurrence and the resolution of that of that occurrence. And in that space, um, I have a lot. Go- there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, fear and faith will will exist for me both in that space. But at the end of the day, I have to make a choice. You know, and and it really, for me, it is a choice. Am I going to live in fear or am I going to live in faith? Am I going to believe that God will take care of me and that this situation will work out as it should? And sometimes what keeps me from having that faith is the fear that I'm not going to get what I want or that I'm going to have to go through emotional pain and I don't want to go through emotional pain. Or maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I feel abandoned. But the, but the thing is, if if God is now my, if God is now in charge, I don't I don't have to fear that, because I know He's going to take care of me. That's what it boils down to for me. So thanks for letting me share, Julie, in my past. Thank you, Leslie W. Okay, to remind everyone, we are on page sixty-seven, last paragraph. Reading this first paragraph on page sixty-eight, when it made us cocky, it was worse. Who would like to share? Nancy Nancy Kim. 
Say that again. Okay, Kim G. There was somebody before. Um, gosh. Okay. Janice PM. Maybe. Got Janice PM. Got it. Okay. Nancy P. Nancy P. Carolyn S H. Carolyn S H. Leia D. Leia. Oh, that Leia. You are after Kim. There you go. I remember hearing that. Leia D. Okay. That's a O. Okay, we're going to stop there and we'll continue. Lisa okay. D. Okay. All right. So, Kim G, you're up. Uh, good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Oh, fear. You know, I just think it's so brilliant how the big book does it, at least in my experience, is I first look at these resentments, and I find that my resentments cover my anger. Then I get the sick man's prayer where I find out that it says, God saved me from being angry. And as I'm dealing with my anger, I realize that my anger is covering my fear. You know, I still find that today as a recovered woman. Whenever I go to anger, I know there's an underlying fear. And this is not in the text, but this is a, a saying I love. It says, fear is a sure sign I'm relying on my own power. And I have to tell you, that's so true for me. And as I'm going through these steps for the first time, I'm feeling this urgency to need power every time I'm afraid. And even as a recovered woman, when I feel fear, I know it's because I'm becoming separated from that power and I have some inventory to do. Because, you know, before this process, if you would ask me, Kim, what are some of your good qualities? I would have told you I'm independent, I'm self-reliant, I can pull myself up in my bootstraps. That's the exact reason I needed these steps. That's the exact reason that I was so fearful. Because now what I see is all the things in my life that I would set up so that I wouldn't be afraid was the exact reason I was afraid. You know, if I got the guy, I would feel, quote, unquote, safe, but then I was in fear of losing him. If I got the promotion, I would feel safe, but then there was the fear I would get fired. Even feeling joy. It was the fear of what pain would follow. You know, we didn't read it, but I always think of this part about the finite self versus the infinite God. See, I think that the world has limited resources. And through those limited resources, if you get anything, it means there's less for me. You get, a, you get, you get married, it means there's less guys in the world for me to get married. You get a, a promotion, it means there's less, in the, less for me in the world. You know, I always remember my mom talking about this. It took them five years to get pregnant with me. And after she had me, she got immediately pregnant with my brother. And she's so afraid. How was she going to share her love with this other child when this little girl was the center of her life? And she said the moment that they put my brother in her arms, she realized that love was multiplication and not division. Fear is the fact that I think that the world's resources are limited and I am not going to get my share. But when I get grounded in these steps and I get connected with the power, what I realize is that love is infinite. Peace is infinite. Joy is infinite. Because when I'm connected with that power, everything is possible. When I'm disconnected from that power, I am a scared, scared little girl. This is The key to freedom is to face these fears. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Leah D., followed by Janice P.M. Hi, good morning. It's Leah D. in Brooklyn. 
Can I be heard? Yes. Well, Kim G, that's a hard act to follow. I had enough. Thank you very much, Kim. <laughs> that just set me straight. Um, okay, so fear. I didn't know I had fears. I didn't know that was the basis of why I was restless, irritable, and discontent from the day I was born. And the thing about fear in me is that fear comes over me without my knowledge. You know, someone can do something and I can get angry. You did something, you said something, I had a fight with you. But fear creeps up like a fog. And then I become paralyzed. Paralyzed. I've suffered most of my adult life and today too with free-floating anxiety based on fear. That's not a way to live. By the grace of God in this program, the level has gone down to two versus a hundred. But I find that fear is something that entraps me and grabs me by the neck. You know, one of our good brothers did an excellent um, special edition called Fear, the Corroding Thread That Goes Between Us. And I have to listen to that one every time I fly. I had to learn to let go and bring God into my life because if I turn my will and my life over to the care of God, then I can take myself and put myself in God's arms and let me not be afraid because he's in charge of my life. But I don't, I have to do this on a constant basis, not so much with resentment. That happens when it comes up and I feel it. But I don't always feel the fear. You know, I think as a child, I didn't have the secure love and nurturing that I needed. And I can't go back and get that again. But what I can get is God's love and nurturing and my support group and nurturing and your love and nurturing. So when I make a phone call, if I'm scared or I'm feeling fearful, you, my compulsive brothers and sisters who work this program, give me back the words and the nurturing to quell the fear. And sometimes it even goes away. But I'm constantly aware of it and how it affects my life. And doing new things bring about fear. I went to jury duty yesterday. Fear. Going to a new store. Fear. That's my thread, and that's my corroding thread, and that's what I ask God to take away today, my fear, and let him be with me in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share this morning. Thank you, Leah D. So next we will have Janice P.M., followed by Nancy P., Carolyn S.H., Vasa O., and Lisa B. So Janice P.M., you're next. Well, thank you, uh, Julie. Uh, Janice P.M. calling in from Massachusetts. You know, I, I think I came around, you know, full circle. Before I even came in and I heard the word fear, I said, I'm not afraid of anybody. You know, I was so cocky even before I came in. Well, and I didn't understand real fear. But certainly, um, you know, I did have a lot of fears. I had fears because it had to do with my projection of what ifs. What if my son, you know, dies in the street? What if, uh, you know, um, any other little thing, you know, I'm not going to be able to walk after I have the operation? All these projections, and it was all about me, me, my projection, my self-reliance, my um, my thinking of negativity. I never thought of things that would be good. 
<laughs> it was always things that would be negative, you know. And I was always out of the day, out of this present moment. It was always what if. Um, and it didn't even happen yet. But I, I, I it, and it robbed me. It absolutely robbed me. Fear was a thief. It robbed me of uh, my peace and serenity, my relationship with God. I didn't even think of God or a higher power when I was in this fear. It was all about me, about um, what I was thinking. Um, like I said, it didn't happen. It wasn't even here yet. But, of course, you know, after the spiritual awakening, then I could rely on my God, of course, all the time in the process. Um, and, you know, it, another fear would be, oh, what if I'm going to be alone? What would I be? What, what, what can I do by myself if I don't have my husband, if something happens to me? But I know today, today, the good thing is I'm never alone <clears throat> because I do have my God, and he's always with me. I don't worry about enough money. We all want more money, but, you know, I don't have to, I mean, I mean, I have to do things that would, would help me to save my money, but, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, geez, I don't live in it. I'm not paralyzed in it. Um, you know, what if my car breaks? You know, that's all paralyzing. So I, I can't, I have to learn not to project, you know. Uh, fear is, you know, really that, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll lose something that we really possessed or would or would fail to get something that we demanded. I was always in demand. What if I don't have this? What if I don't get that job? What if what's going to happen? So it's unrealistic. It's really unrealistic emotional demons that 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 really get to me. And today at least I know, I feel, I experience you know, the peace of God that thy will be done. And I'm so sure, I really am. Um, I shouldn't be so sure, but I am that God will take care of me. I know that today. And as soon as I feel like fear, I say, uh-oh, what am I thinking? What is it about me that I'm afraid of? What's going to happen? And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice Pan. Nancy P., followed by Carolyn S.H., Hi, this is Nancy P. from Boston. Can I be heard? Yes. So uh, thank you for letting me share. So fear, um, fear is the evil and corroding thread. Fear eats away at my life and leaves spots of my life intact. Um, but the rest of it is ruined by fear. So all of that is written very dramatically in, in the book. But the key that I get is that that I get is that I set the ball rolling by my efforts to control my own self-seeking. For me, those are the evil and corroding threads. Fear was the added trim to the controlling and self-seeking. I tried to control and use self-seeking to avoid fear, but it never worked. And what was I afraid of? I was afraid of, as others have said, I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of not having enough. I was afraid of, you know, losing what I had. Um, but all of those things were things that were in the future. And as, I was, as was pointed out to me when I was reading my fourth step, doing my fifth step rather, and doing, you know, talking about fear, everything that I was afraid of had yet to happen. Um, I've never been afraid of having too much. I mean, I've, I've been afraid of losing what I have, but I've never been afraid of having too much or, you know, I've never been afraid of not having what I already have. Um, I've always been afraid of what might happen. You know, it could be this. It could be that. I was just talked to somebody on the phone this morning about some dire medical news uh, that they had for one of their family members. And, um, you know, I we talked about it and I said something, you know, I 
gave some other information that I had found out. And I said, I'm not worried anymore. I'm fine, you know. And it's not even happening to me. But, you know, I said, I'm not really worried anymore. And um, so for me, as, I was, as was pointed out, that when I think about the future, that's the only, that's like I know the future. I'm, I'm assigning what's going to happen in the future because I think I know what's going to happen. And the only one that knows what's going to happen in the future is God. So it's like I'm thinking that I'm God, which I hate to admit, not quite God, maybe queen, but still, you know, I felt like, you know, I must be all in control. And that is sort of a cycle. Then I go back to the need to control and self-seeking. What have I done? What will I do to get what I want? Not just when I wrote my my inventory, what did I do? What would I do? There are some things that I would go to any lengths to get, never mind recovery. But before I, before I became recovered, there was no path that I wouldn't follow to get what I wanted. So for me, I really was, when I read that, I was really focusing on what did I do? You know, what did I do to get the ball rolling? If I just let go of all that need to control, then I don't have to worry about being afraid. Not to say that I'm not, that I won't ever feel fear, but I know where to go to get rid of it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Carolyn S.H., followed by Vasa O., and then Lisa B. Go ahead, Carolyn. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Julie. Um, Carolyn S.H., calling also from Massachusetts. Um, and I've discarded my timer. Uh, I just so wanted to chime in this morning um, because I am uh, going through back through the steps again for the third time, and I am uh, on this step, and I just wrote out um, my fears this morning, and I just uh, read all this last night with my sponsor, um, and I just I um, kind of building on what has been said. What what's striking me this time around is how simple this step is and how simple this part of the step is um, and how it's so funny how complicated I made it the last two times. Um, and uh, like just literally lifting my fears, looking at why I have them and understanding that under all those whys is um, like it's been beautifully said already is that I'm trying to do something I can't do. I'm relying on myself. Um, and kind of for the first time, I'm seeing the relationship between this and all the steps before it and step one. Like this is, this is just another place where I'm powerless. I'm powerless over these fears. Um, my finite self, I, I don't have the power to do, um, you know, to, to manage these things that are, that, either that are coming up in the future or that I think are true or, you know, whatever. Um, and one of my favorite, um, oh, I guess we're not there yet. Well, the next paragraph is one of my favorites, but I'll save that for tomorrow. But um, the whole fact that, um, you know, the evil and corroding thread, um, I'll also just say a short word about, like, my entire life, has been built on fear. Um, it really has been the evil and corroding thread, and it's it's so much less so in the last several years, and um, it's becoming less and less and less uh, because I'm learning how to, to let go more and more and let higher power do. Um, and we'll see in the next coming paragraph 
um, that I do less and I see more. Um, and, uh, yeah, and with that, I'll stop. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn S.H., Vasa O., followed by Lisa B. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for your service. And Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I really did not know what I was getting into when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I remember saying, I'm just going to lose the weight and, and I'm going to leave. I never expected to be working, you know, the, the steps, the way they laid out. And again, I kept on hearing, if you don't do this work fast, I'm going to go back into the food. So do you want to live or you want to die? Well, I wanted to live, and I'm so grateful that I stayed and I listened and I worked the steps to the best of my abilities, and I'm not perfect at it, but I, I am really good with my abstinence. You know, that's the only thing I got to do 100%, you know, be abstinent and go through the steps. And fear, I was, uh, it controlled my life. Fear, I was paralyzed, you know, with fear. It, it kept me from growing and maturing and having a relationship with, my, you know, people, myself, and my higher power. I, I, again, I went all the way back from my childhood you know, what kind of environment did I live in? My mother was a fearful person. She was, you know, she, so she passed a lot of those fears on me, and plus out there in society. And, you know, I, I cannot just blame, you know, my mother, and, and I'm sure she was exposed with fears herself. She didn't know how to work through it. And here, it's by the grace of God, you know, I've been working through my fears, and uh, and it's such a freedom. And I remember I listed all my fears down on a paper. One by one, I was asked to, and I had many, many fears. Probably a fear for every day of the of the of the year, hundreds and hundreds of fears. And for example, you know, fear of losing my children to death. I was terrified. You know, my husband, you know, leaving me for for another woman. Fear of not being good enough mother or a wife, fear of dying. I was terrified of dying. See, I, I relied on myself, you know. I didn't have a higher power to to ask for help or, or even I didn't have the program. Fear of my, yeah, I did that. Fear of confrontation, fear of failure, fear of, of the future, fear of change. Oh, I mean, there's so many. And every time I would go to a meeting when we worked on the fears, I'd say, oh, yeah, I got to put that down. I got to put that down. It's by the grace of God. You know, they were unrealistic fears and that I had carried over my life. And I did not know that I could go to a higher power, trust and rely on God. And I trusted and relied on myself or other people to take care of me, and most of them, they were sick just like I was. They were struggling with the same same problems. But, you know, yeah, I it, the fear crops up once in a while. Like, I, I know my time is coming up. I, I want to go to Europe. I don't want to go by myself. I'm terrified. So my stepmother said, well, you know, we're getting older. What my daughter-in-law does, she says she arranges everything, and there's a wheelchair waiting for me, and they just take me around. They 
put me wherever I want to go. I said, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm not. Right. I can walk miles and miles, but the fear is scary for me to be traveling alone, going from one place to another. So God put her uh, in my life, so I might do the same thing. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Lisa B., you are next. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Julie, for your service and for everyone that shared. Um, the word, the line that jumps out for me is, this short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. And, oh my gosh, when I came in here before I got recovered, I was having panic attacks. I never had had panic attacks before. But, you know, as I study this big book, it teaches me that this this malady, this spiritual malady, the worst aspect of it is, is uh, centered in my mind. And I became really, really ill in my mind, in my body, in my spirit, being an untreated, unrecovered, compulsive overeater. And when I met someone in whom the problem has been solved and she laid before me hope by hearing it in her voice, I wasn't really presented with all the tools yet because we had just started the work. But one of my questions to her was, what about all of these things that I'm so frightened of and these present problems that are so big? And her words to me were, Lisa, get recovered. Get recovered as a compulsive overeater. Experience the state of being truly recovered as a result of doing these steps, being really clear and clean with what your abstinence means, and following the steps, being entirely abstinent, doing the steps, and you'll see that these steps will solve all my problems. And in We Agnostics a few weeks ago, we read, yet we have been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. And that is the promise for me. I had to learn to stop going to my higher power for something. I had to learn to go to my higher power for my higher power. I had to go, I call my higher power God. I had to go for God, for God's presence, for that spiritual liberation. And trust that this power that created me, step seven says my creator, knows everything about me and the problems before I even know what they are. I need to reside and abide. I had to learn to abide in that presence. But I couldn't do that until I did the steps, until I put the food down and the behaviors and did the steps. Today I'm going through a bumpy place in my recovery, and I'm working with other recovered compulsive overeaters, and I'm learning that it's more of the same but just deeper. The program has to be, continue to become deeper and bigger than it was yesterday, than it was the day before. And like what someone who I really love that shares on this line shared with me, that what I did has to be bigger. I have to work harder. It has to be ever bigger because this illness actually grows alongside of my recovery. It continues to grow even though I'm abstinent. And the other thing I just want to share is I used to think that if I obsess and talk about my problems, that that's going to bring about a solution. I thought that somehow that was going to change it. No, the answer today is getting out of myself being of service to others and going to God without the questions of how and what, but just abiding in that presence, meditating in the quiet. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. I'd like to remind everybody we are on page 67 with, oh, somebody's got a horn. Notice the word fear is bracketed, reading through the first paragraph on page 68, ending with when it made us cocky, it was worse. Please say your name once. Charles H. 
This is Sorry. Larry. Karen Ann. Karen Ann. Karen Ann. Judith R. Leia M. R. Leia M. Julie. Larry K. I, think, I, I have you, Julie. Larry K. Man. Okay, we're going to just stop there because that's six. So we have Charles H., Karen N., Judith, Leia M., Julie, and Larry. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Don't worry about tomorrow, baby. God's already there. And I heard this on this line, that the, the acronym for fear is frustration, ego, anger, resentment. And, and, and anger for me is misplaced fear. What's underneath that? You know, I, I could tell you that as a kid, they took my, they robbed me for my, my, they punched me in the face and robbed me for my gazelles. And I've been, you know, I could tell you when I was in junior high school, they used to jack me for a quarter. And I, but, but one day, I, I was scared of my brother too. So one day I, I finally told my brother, you know what, bro, they keep robbing me. He said, if you let them do it one more time, I'm going to beat you, you know, beat you or whatever. So one day I, I, I faced the fear and the guy was like, yo, run your pockets, bro. You know, he didn't say that because it was back in the 80s, the early 80s. And I was like, nah, bro. And then he, he flinched and I punched him in the face. And I faced my fear that day. And the other dude that took my gazelles, I never, I never caught up with him. But um, I would forgive him today because I, I, I placed some faith where the fear was. And um, I ain't got to worry about tomorrow. I know I'm going to die. I know, you know, I'm going to face some, some hard trials. But the, the enemy wants to rob me of everything right now. And the enemy wants me to have all those thoughts in my head. But you know what? For today, I'm standing. I'm alive. I'm in the sunlight of the spirit. I'm about to um go to work and get it popping, and I'm on the line with you beautiful people. And with that, I pass. I'm off this. Thank you, Charles H. Karen N., followed by Judith, and then Leah M. Go ahead, Karen. Maybe I did not hear a Karen. I thought I did. Okay, well, we will move to... Judith, go ahead, Judith, followed by Leah M. Thanks so much. This is Judith R. in Vermont, <clears throat> gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. The big book has done Western civilization a big favor by naming fear as one of the central things that that we are afraid of. We are afraid of fear. And uh, one of my favorite spiritual mentors says, that when whoever put together the seven deadly sins, they missed one. They they did, they got seven, but there are really eight. The eighth is fear, but we are so used to it, we are so inundated with it, we don't even recognize that fear is one of the biggies. And so here is Bill W. telling all of this civilization, y'all miss something, and it's fear. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Judith R. I will try one more time for Karen N. Yes, I was muted. This is Karen N. Can you hear me now? I can. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful to get on. Uh, I'm a newcomer, and uh, I haven't tried to get on before. This is the first time, and I'm surprised I got on, so I'm grateful for that. Um 
it's fear is right uh, on target for me today because I'm having a lot of anxiety this morning and last night. Um, my creator has seen fit for me to teach a water aerobics class, and I start tonight, and I, I just can't believe that that me, an introverted, overweight, compulsive overeater, is going to teach water aerobics. But um, I am, and uh, I know my creator is going to show up, and uh, I I just, this was the perfect topic for me because I do have a lot of anxiety about it. But it's all self-centered fear because I want to look good. I want them to like me. I don't want them to complain about me, blah, 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 all the monkey chatter in my head that tells me I'm not worth it, you know, and I am worth it. So uh, very grateful to be on the line with everybody today. And I love a vision for you and how it's so focused on the solution. It is working for me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen N., for sharing. Welcome. Leah M., followed by Julie M., I think, and then Larry K. Good morning. Thank you so much. Great reading. Great reading. This short word, fear, somehow touches about every aspect of our life. It was an evil encroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. I mean, this fear that I had, which was basically constant, um, you know, created this inner tension. No wonder I kept having to dig my fists into cellophane bags and bakery boxes just to relieve myself of that inner tension. You know, my big book teaches me that underlying reasons why we were making a heavy going of life, leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. No wonder living was no joy for someone like me because I was absolutely riddled with fear. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? You know, I thought I had to write the script, that I had to be the director, the producer, the author of my life. What a miraculous transformation occurred through the process of these steps, beginning with the first action step, step four, I clearly wrote down what were my fears were, and to go underneath the underneath, no wonder it is a spiritual malady that compels me to pick up that first bite. If God can direct my thinking, my thinking becomes better. When my thinking comes better, my actions become better. If my actions are better, my life is better. And so, you know, the bottom line that this program has taught me comes from page 53. When we become alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is everything or else he's nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was my choice to be? That's a question I had to start asking myself on January 19th, 1987, and it's certainly a question that I need to ask myself today, June 5th, 2018. I had to ask myself that question when my husband was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. I had to ask myself that question when two babies were born four months early at a pound and a half. Is there a God or is there not a God? Is my life based on this or is it not? Is this just talking the talk or am I walking the walk? Because whenever life hits, I have no idea when it's coming. But I better have a foundation that I can stand upon. 
I've been blessed with 21 people in my immediate family, children, grandchildren. That's a lot of people on my stage, a lot of characters that I can worry about. I don't want to worry. I want to know that I am tethered to something strong, powerful, constant, loving, caring, caring, all knowledge, unlimited power. That's God. And so my question is every day, the big things and the little things, God either is or he isn't. What's my choice to be? That's my bottom line. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Aya M. Uh, Julie M., I think, followed by Larry K. Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado. Go ahead. Oh, we lost you, Julie E.B. Hi. Um, This is so powerful for me. Fear was, and sometimes still does, touch every single part of my life. It is an evil and corroding thread. What is the source? Fear comes up whenever I am trying to do this myself. Because when I get back into myself, I have to find that I am enough to solve all the problems, to rest happiness and satisfaction out of my life by my own management. Or I have to try and look to other people to bring me happiness, other people, places, things, situations. So for me, my higher power unlocks that with my favorite little prayer. We ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon. God would be my care. He would put the provision of everything that is necessary for my health, welfare, and maintenance of my condition. Protection. (laughs) Protection. This is not an idea I grew up with, feeling cared for and protected. It's not how I saw the world when I started. I needed care and protection, first from the food, And then from this way of viewing the world through resentment and through fear and through harms that either I had done or I could blame on someone else. And so how did I set the ball rolling? As I did my fear inventory, I began to see that in every area where I had a fear, I was looking outside or to myself for care or for protection or for direction or for security or for connection, or for a sense of self-worth. So for me, everything changes as now we, not me alone, but we ask, inquire for God's care and protection and direction and connection and security and sense of worth with complete abandon, which means full, not of food, but full of giving up, having run my myself well. Living this way with God providing, my higher power providing, life is entirely different. And if you're still in fear, still in the food, there is hope. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Julie Eby. And Larry Kay, you're next. Thanks so much uh, for your service. Um, you know, the um, 
here, here's the thing, you know, here's one of the, pri it's one of the primary impediments to having a spiritual awakening, which is a fear I will not confront. When I came into program for a long time, I wouldn't keep any of my bin substances in my home because I had a fear that they would fly off the shelf down my gullet as if I couldn't get to my heroin in two minutes and I would. I had a fear. Now, I know I'm the only one on the line that used to run, basically run through the grocery store, avoiding certain aisles because I had a fear they would gravitationally pull me there and that food would fly off the shelf down my gullet. But it would. I'd put it there. I had a fear that this practical program of action you told me about wouldn't work for me. That was a fear that I had. I know I'm the only one on the line that had that fear. And so I would go to a zillion meetings and I would try harder to grab the water harder, tighter. And it never took. I was into my heroin substance with a, a band around my arm and a syringe out, if you will. I like imagery. It was a fear I wouldn't confront. See, what we think about expands, and avoiding fear maintains and magnifies it. Avoiding anxiety maintains and magnifies it. Where was I placing my trust? On my finite self, my finite control. Forget this infinite God you talk about. I wasn't placing my trust there. No way, no how. I'll do it. I was tethered to me. See, this program of action was not going to work for me, and I was going to, or the shoe was going to drop. I, I know I'm the only one on the line that ever felt that, that when is the shoe going to drop? When, is the, when am I going to pick up the food? See, exposure to the fear seemed counterintuitive to me, but there's lots of truths that are counterintuitive. Every time I avoided an object, a situation, my anxiety gained strength like a storm. And every time I have avoided the feared situation, I accumulated another experience of failure that supported that fear. This program of action helps me to live life tethered to God so that when human fears come, they don't overtake me by the grace of God. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And we have time maybe for two more short chairs. Monica T. Monica T. Marion. Monica. Oh, Marion. Sarah W. H. Well, I don't think we'll have time, but let's go with Monica T. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Julie. Please time me. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in How It Works, fourth step. We're working on our fourth step inventory, and here we are now, we've done our resentments, and now we're looking at the fear part of our, of our fear, in, of our fourth step inventory, all right? So fear. I looked fear up, and, and these words I wrote in my book, there's a lot of others, I'm sure. Anxiety. Now, I wasn't a fearful person, but here's some other words for you, Monica. Anxiety, alarm, agitation, negative imagination overwhelmed. I also was taught that fear, you know, an acronym is false evidence appearing real. Majority of the time, my fears were not real. They weren't based on reality. 
So on the first paragraph on page 68, we're being given, we're starting to be given our explicit directions here of how we write our fear inventory. We reviewed them, we write them down. We're going to write this on paper. So the first thing is we asked ourselves why we had them. So I was asked to write, well, where did this originate? Do you know where this originated? And a majority of my fears originated in my childhood. And I didn't have to write a big, long dissertation. I just wrote, it originated in my childhood. Or if I wasn't too sure where it originated, could I write a little bit about the first time I felt it? And why do I have this fear? Well, and I was told the answer is always going to be because self-reliance failed me. And this is what the book is saying here. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? So then the next question was, what did I try to do? Self-reliance. What did I try to do to cope with this fear? What were my coping mechanisms? You know, if I, if, um, I was afraid of, of uh, looking dumb, stupid, how did I try to cope with that? And sometimes our coping mechanisms are good, but sometimes we go off into other things too. You know, so for me, I was going to be very smart. I was going to be the top of my class. I was going to get all these A's. You see all this stuff I'm putting on myself? How did that help? How did that work? How did your coping mechanisms work for you, Monica? Well, you know, a lot of my coping mechanism was eat. Get into the food. Then you don't have to worry about anything. Well, how did that work? Well, duh, here I am in OA, you know. And it got me to 230 pounds. It got me miserable. So that was not a very good coping mechanism. But I had to see that I used different things. And how did they work? Well, a lot of them didn't work very well. Or they might have started out working, and then they didn't. Because I was relying on myself. And we're going to get some more of our instructions in the next paragraph tomorrow. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica T. And Marion, you have two minutes. Go for it. Or was it Marilyn? Hi. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. This is Marianne. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, I am fear, I'm very fearful that I'm going to lose my abstinence. And once again, I will be back in the food, and then I won't remember to talk to God or or to pick up the phone or to work any of the tools because I've been relapsing over the years many, many times, and I really, really don't want to do this. And I know the only thing will help me is to work all the steps. And I'm just very, very fearful that I'm going to lose my abstinence once again. And I've been writing about it as I was waiting to for my turn. Uh, so that's that's my big fear right now. So I think that's a healthy fear. And if I keep remembering you know, what I need to do, and I am working with a sponsor <clears throat> just to do all the tools and work the steps, then I won't lose my abstinence. And there's so much more to this program than just abstinence. I know that from being around for such a long time. So I thank everybody for your share, and have a beautiful, blessed, abstinent day. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much for sharing. It is now time to close our meeting. I'd like to give the share ID for today, Tuesday, June 5th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,499. Okay, I'd like to thank everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. 
followed by the serenity prayer. And will Rachel and M please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Julie. This is Rachel and M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Great meeting and so thankful I can trust God today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 